Welcome to the Positivity Platform. We're your hosts, Erica and Evelyn. Join us for weekly chats that unpack life's experiences and forge pathways to positivity. Welcome to the Positivity Platform. I'm Erica, and I'm really excited to welcome you to our first full-length episode of the Positivity Platform. I'm here with my co-host, Evelyn. Hi, I'm excited too. And we are just ready to begin this journey and share with you. And if you haven't had a chance to listen to our podcast intro, we invite you to listen by visiting our website, which is www.thepositivityplatform.weebly.com or visit our social media, Facebook and Instagram, and it's positivity.platform. Today, I just want to say welcome, and we hope that you enjoy everything that we're going to be offering over the next few months and possibly years, and everything that we're going to share with you. And just as a side note, that intro, if you have a chance to go and listen to it, it highlights the genesis of this podcast, why we started it, what we felt was missing, and the gap that we hope we're filling. And it will also give you an overview of what to expect, the flow of our podcast from week to week. But for today, we'd just like to welcome you again. And I just want to check in here with Evelyn. Yeah, actually, I didn't get a chance to check in with you, check in with you much this past weekend. So tell me about your weekend, Evelyn. This weekend was very different. It was great. I did something called Clued Up, and it's fun. It's like uh, Amazing Race. Oh no, what is that called? Where you figure out puzzles and clues and you're trying to, or the the breakout. Oh, like an escape room, sort of like an escape room. room. Yes, but it's held in the city, in big cities. So we did one that was in Honolulu and the goal was to, well, the theme was Alice in Wonderland and the goal was to find Alice the Red Queen had captured her. And so, yeah, it's cool. You want, you have a team and you have an app and you just kind of do the geocaching where it takes you to different points throughout the city. And then you have to to solve puzzles and then they give you the next clue. And it was fun. A lot of people dressed up. I didn't get that memo. (laughs) So planning on doing the next one in March, if you want to join our team. Yes. (laughs) Okay. This one is, oh, good. I'm so glad because you know what? This one, the theme is Smurfs. Oh, so we're that all was gonna... one of my favorite cartoons when I was little. <laughs> <laughs> so we were saying, okay, this time around, we're all going to dress up, you know, yeah. so it makes it more fun. I think now that I know what to expect, I think it would be so fun. We were a good team together also. And we hit that first one. We were like, oh, one down, you know, seven to go. And then they're like, oh, it unlocked three more. And then the next clue, oh, it unlocked five more, you oh know. Oh my gosh, or, yeah. And then each of them, it was just fun. Yeah, I that think sounds should fun. Do it. Yeah, I'd love to. Well, this weekend I did a whole lot of nothing, which is not very common for me, you know, because no, usually you're always super busy. I am busy. Yeah. And especially on weekends when we have miles for the listeners, miles is 11. But this weekend, we really didn't. We spent a lot of time just doing small things, family things. And Friday night, we watched the classic Jingle All the Way. And Odie had never seen Jingle All the Way. He had never even heard of it, which is crazy to me, but he didn't. So we watched Jingle All the Way on Friday night. 
And then Saturday, Miles had a soccer game. So that was fun. And then Saturday night, we went down to the basketball court and just played basketball for a while. I think you saw my pictures on Facebook, which (laughs) Miles had his Santa hat on. Miles with his Santa hat, he and Odie playing basketball. And then yesterday, Miles said he wanted to have a down day. And I was like, isn't that kind of what we did all weekend? <laughs> but, <laughs> and then last night, we just watched another movie. So it was very atypical weekend for us. But it's nice. You know how sometimes you just need to have a weekend like that where you just don't have a whole lot to do. You're not running all over the place. I still had places I had to go like soccer or we went to the basketball court, but it was very relaxed and casual. So we had a really nice time. And our house was like almost empty the whole weekend, which is never a thing, (laughs) you know, never a thing. So when we were home, it was just pretty much the three of us and it was really quiet and peaceful. And um, we had a good time. That is very different. Yeah. So you'd think I'd be like well rested today, but I'm actually not. (laughs) My younger sister, you know, Rosie. Yes. She does not do well with lots of downtime. That other time when I said I was sick, I said, God, I can't believe I got sick because I stayed home all day and rested because I felt something coming on. And she goes, that's why you got sick. You get sick. No, she literally believed you get sick when you stay home. You have to be busy all the time. Yeah. She's always gone. I mean, always doing something. And I can't. I need a lot of downtime. Yeah. I like to socialize, but it takes, and I don't want to say, oh, it takes all this out of me, but I definitely have to crawl into my little hole for a little while yeah. to recharge. It, well, I think it, just, I need to have, be recharged. Well, yeah, absolutely. And I think people have different amounts of like social energy to expend. Mm-hmm. So I have a lot of family energy to expend, but I don't have a lot of social energy outside of that, you know? So mm-hmm. for me, like when we play golf, that's like my social time. Other than that, I'm pretty much with just family. Also, we did have our golf tournament on Thursday, you and I with Rosie. Oh, yes. And that yes. was fun. <laughs> that was very fun. <laughs> Did you see time. my post where I thought the day was perfect? It was, it was. beautiful. It was mm-hmm. gorgeous. And I meant that sometimes I do miss this four seasons. Yeah. Yeah. We live in Oahu in Hawaii. So we don't have seasons. We have Pretty much eternal summer. Yes. It's Groundhog Day. Yeah. Every day and the sun is shining and you just want to see if the sun is shining and it's humid or is the sun shining? (laughs) Yes, exactly. How crazy is the humidity today? What is my hair going to do when I go outside? Yeah. And you wear short, you have one wardrobe year round. Yes, exactly. Yes. (laughs) It's like, how, which should I wear the, which tank top should I wear today? The thin (laughs) strapped or the thicker strapped tank, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Which shorts? Yep. So this past Saturday is where I did the Alice in Wonderland clued up in Honolulu. Then in the evening, we played pickleball. Oh my gosh, I have never played pickleball, but everybody seems to play pickleball. What's oh, up with that? Well, come play. I mean, when uh, you play no. your bar, it's too much cardio you played- for me, Evelyn. Oh. <laughs> it involves running. Cardio was- and hydration are not my thing. <laughs> I should know this. <laughs> I was just going to. So I guess that's a no. My question was going to be. Do you play tennis? No, it's it's, yes. it's very much cardio. <laughs> I play golf. Let me just ride yes. in the cart. <laughs> yes. And hit the no. ball and ride it. <laughs> yes. Pickleball is a 
ball is very light. So it's, I've played tennis before, Mm -hmm. so I can time how to get to the ball to be able to hit it. Well, when the ball is really light, you'll swat at it or it'll drop way before you get to it. Mm -hmm. So I tried to get it. I totally ate it. Do we have oh another leg scratched up okay. scenario? Oh like- my gosh. You know what? I will. I am going to pull my knee up here. But so anyway, I fell down. I go over to the bench and I realize how badly banged up I am. It was just hilarious, but it was fun. And we ate the most wonderful dim sum. Do you like oh, dim sum? I do. Yeah, yeah. Of course I do. Yes. Mm-hmm. There's Yummy. a place, Legends in Chinatown. I've heard of Legends. As oh, a matter of fact, good. I... No, that's not where I'm going. Is that the one that has like the gourmet cocktails too? (laughs) Why would I know that? Is that the one? (laughs) You know what? I don't know. Okay. I think it might be the same. The uh one that has like these amazing gourmet cocktails. I could be wrong, but because I know it's some, maybe I'm thinking of something else, but Uh I, I do know there's a place that's something legends that has awesome gourmet cocktails, but they're like 30 bucks a cocktail. So you have to do like, you have to like pregame. It's like the, you go for the experience of having this particular cocktail. It's like a cocktail experience, but you only have one because they're like 30 bucks, you know, last thing I'll say is that the elf on the shelf made his appearance. Now, let me just tell you, (laughs) the elf on the shelf for us, you know, we have um, my five biological kids and four of them are in their 20s. And then we have Miles, the late in life surprise, who's 11. So we never did elf on the shelf. I don't even know if it was a thing when my big kids were little kids. I don't even know. I don't think our kids are the same age. No, I don't think elf on a shelf showed up until after 2000. Right. No, maybe. Yeah. 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 Perhaps. So I totally dodged the elf on the shelf bullet for like years and years and years. But then when Miles was like five, we started the elf on the shelf tradition. He is now 11 and he still expects the elf on the shelf. So I am elf on the shelf out. Like, you know how hard it is to come up with ideas for like five years. And this kid has like a mind like a steel trap. You can't redo an elf on the shelf. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, and it's like 25 days every year of elf on the shelf. Well, enter Odie, who had never had elf on a shelf um, because his kids are in their 20s. Odie is my significant other. He is so into elf on the shelf. That he is doing it like he's making them all up. Now, you know, Odie, they Uh might not be appropriate. (laughs) I will just say that. But I did allow Elf to pee into the shot glasses. But anyway, so we have Elf on the shelf happening. And it's actually very... (laughs) And And how nice it... What? (laughs) He used lemonade. Anyway, it was a whole thing, but... He's like so into it. And I love that he is the best like stepdad I can uh-huh. ever imagine. You know, uh-huh. like I am so lucky. This man will play basketball, golf, soccer, football. The other night we went to Koalina and he's just throwing the football back and forth on the beach, you know, tackling miles in the sand, you know, like they just 
he he is the best. And now Elf on the Shelf, like he's totally taking it over for me. Like he's like, you know, we got to get Miles in bed. And he's like tucking Miles in bed. And he's like, let's wait 30 minutes until he goes to sleep. And then he comes up with some unique idea, you know. So I think tonight he's doing some big army scene. I don't know. He's He brought all of his old little army men out. So he's going to create some big battle scene. I don't know what that's going to be, but I just love it. And I feel Mm. really, really fortunate and really blessed to have him not only in my life, but in Miles's life as well. So, Mm -hmm. um, and not to have to deal with Elf on the Shelf on my own this year. So I know. (laughs) Yeah. That's a good story. I mean, that's wonderful. Well, I think that is a perfect time for us to start to build this platform with our week's mindful minute. Our mindful minute is where we take a moment to reflect on something that we're grateful for based on our week or weekend in this case. And so for me, I want to say my moment of gratitude is this weekend being grateful for all the loving friendships that are in my life. But you know what, Evelyn, you're also a really good friend to so many. So I'm quite sure they're grateful for having had you in their lives this weekend as well. So yeah, I felt that way. I felt the energy was so wonderful. I guess that I could be great. I am definitely grateful for just a loving, positive energy. I also didn't golf this weekend, which is so weird. Both you and I didn't golf this weekend. But in the midst of that, because we had so many small moments, and I mentioned before, I made a Facebook post that was just Odie and Miles playing basketball. And I just was taking pictures of them as I took the photos and I just posted them on Facebook. This quote that came to mind was, um, today's little moments are tomorrow's treasured memories. And Mm -hmm. those little moments that I was able to have this weekend with Odie and Miles, I'm so thankful and have so much gratitude in my heart right now for just those small moments that build a lifetime of memories. Those small moments actually make me think of our next segment, which is our moving moment. So each week we will have a moving moment, which is just an inspirational quote that will tie into the theme that our guest is going to discuss. So today's moving moment is a quote by Edith Schaefer, who wrote The Hidden Art of Homemaking. Here's the quote. You have started, whether you recognize that fact or not. We foolish mortals sometimes live through years of not realizing how short life is and that today is our life. In saying that, I would like to introduce today's theme that ties in with that moving moment quote. Today, we're going to explore a story that illuminates monumental loss and the lessons that we glean from recognizing that there is fine on the other side, actually better than fine. So it's time to hop on the platform and unpack the unique life experience of our guests. And today, our guest is none other than Evelyn. Yay! (laughs) So Evelyn, I'm so excited that you're going to share your story today. And I'm so looking forward to listening and learning from your journey. 
All right. Well, this is part uh, one of the main reasons why we decided to do the podcast. It's because we realized we had unique stories that had a lot to offer others just by sharing them. I'll start my story in the early 1990s. I was going to college in Los Angeles. I had just completed my fifth year of college. Still no graduation date in sight. I was working at the mall and I remember that at that time, I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. And I was starting to feel stressed because all my friends had already graduated from college and they were on their next stage or on the path of attempting adulthood. I was nowhere near that. And I remember feeling lost, which was strange because prior to that, I always knew where I was going. In high school, I did well in school. Um, I was valedictorian in my class. I always knew I wanted to go to college. I was the first generation for my family to go. So looking back, that does explain how I didn't know that switching your majors two or three times would push your graduation back a couple of years. Oh, Um, yep. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Hello. So all my kids are finishing and four. (laughs) I gave them, passed that wisdom on to them. I'll never forget that summer because I decided it was time for me to come up with a new plan. I would have a great summer in LA. Then I would take the next semester off, go home to American Samoa and live with my mom and dad and devise a foolproof plan to get me back on the path towards adulthood. And a few weeks later, I met Max. At the time, Max was a captain in the Marine Corps stationed in San Diego. He had already traveled the world. He talked about his Mediterranean tour, I mean, which was awesome. And he had obviously set, achieved, and set more goals for himself. And he was ambitious and smart and handsome single. That was awesome. I think that's important. (laughs) Yeah. He was a full-fledged adult and I fell in love instantly. Hmm. And later he would tell me that he did too. So it was speed love because looking back, we didn't waste any time. We fell in love, started a family. Our military life was in full swing We moved back and forth from coast to coast to Hawaii, back to the West Coast, and we went through the trials and tribulations of marriage and life and survived. By our 10th year of marriage, we were thriving as a couple. Our family was established. We had our four healthy, beautiful children. He was excelling as a Marine officer, and I loved being a full-time stay-at-home mom. I was very good at it. I remember. I I believe you were. (laughs) I know you were. Yeah. You know what? Not not just I was good at it, but I loved it. Typically, military officer spouses will be stay at home moms. It's hard to keep a career and move every three years. So I wasn't the only one. But when I would get together and hear everyone, how they're doing, you know, there is a lot of 
women, they missed their careers or they felt the trade-off. And then the very few women who did continue to work also had guilt attached because everybody else was at home. Not me. I, I loved it. I love getting the kids up. I love supporting his career. Uh, I really had a sense of purpose. I remember thinking though, who'd have thought when I was struggling, trying to find direction in my life, I am telling you when I met Max that summer, I never thought I'll get married and have a family and support. That was the furthest thing from my mind. Uh, But anyway, life was good and we had a lot to be grateful for and a lot to look forward to. Fast forward us to the year 2008. Now Max is a lieutenant colonel. We're stationed at Marine Corps Base Hawaii, and he had just been selected for his dream job, battalion command. For those of you not familiar with military lingo, a battalion is a military unit that's made up of five smaller units called companies. So the battalion commander is responsible and leads approximately 1,200 Marines. Everything that Max worked for in his career up until this point was to hopefully be in this position. He believed this was his way of serving his country. He believed in the mission to preserve freedom. He wanted to serve alongside his comrades, all in the hopes of making the world a safer place and all in the hopes his life would positively impact the world. So June 26, 2008, Max is deployed to Iraq. The mission was to put in place a democracy supported by the people of Iraq. So he was in a meeting with local Iraqi leaders. And during this meeting, a suicide bomber infiltrated the meeting and blew himself up. And he killed 10 people that day, critically injured many. Seven Iraqis died and three Marines my husband, Captain Dykeman, and Lance Corporal Prudhomme. On the home front, the children and I were in Flagstaff visiting my sister and her family. And on June 26, I had just returned from picking up our two eldest daughters from a swim camp at Arizona State University. We were all at the backside of the house in the garage unloading the car when my Then brother-in-law says to me, there's someone at the door for you. And he's leading me to the front end of the house. And I'm thinking as I'm walking up, somebody at the door for me, who do I know in Flagstaff? Everyone I know in Flagstaff was in the car with me driving up from (laughs) Tempe for the last hour and a half. When the door was open, I saw two Marines standing there and I immediately knew I I just knew. I knew that they didn't send Marines in uniform like that to tell me my husband was injured. So I remember shoving the Marine outside the door and shutting the door or trying to and telling him, you need to give me a minute. You just need to give me a minute. And I shut the door. I turn to my brother-in-law and I tell him to get my kids out of here, to keep them on the backside of the house, get them in the car, don't let them see the Marines. Mm. And he did. And as soon as I saw the car pull away, I invited the Marine in the house and I let that casualty 
assistance officer tell me that my life as I knew it was over. Wow. Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah, I can't imagine. I don't even, I, you know, it's hard because I don't even want to comment because I can't imagine that moment, but you explain it in a way that makes me feel it. Like I can't imagine that moment because you knew. And as a military spouse also, we all know when your husband is deployed, if the door opens and it is somebody in uniform, you know why they're there. But I can't even begin to imagine living that or having that experience because we all know it's a possibility, but nobody believes it would ever become a reality ever. Mm -hmm. And you hope, and I think that's how you... I think that's how you survive as a military family. You know, it's a possibility if, especially when they go off to war, but you stick with the plan and you say everything, you know, everything will be fine. Everyone's going to come back. And yeah, that was crazy. When he was walking me to the front of the house, before he said someone's at the door, he just grabbed my hand and he's walking. And I left the two little ones with him mm-hmm. while we went down to Phoenix to pick up the girls. I thought Thomas had broken something, like put a Thomas, hole in the... Son. Thomas, Thomas son. my son. Yeah. Yes. I thought he had damaged the house, you know, and it was going to be a mess. <laughs> I, could, I could easily clean up. I wish that there was a hole in the living room or a broken window or something like that. Okay. So the Marines left and I knew I had to come up with a game plan to tell the kids at the time, my then brother-in-law, his family, his parents and his sister and her family, they all lived in Flagstaff and they were all familiar with our family. We had done family vacations together before. So I thought it would be good if every child had an adult next to them when we gave them the news. My sister, she had three children of her own, and they would be given the news at the same time. And they were very close to my children and Uncle Max. And I remember thinking they would be also heavily impacted by this news. So we gathered all the adults We sat them all in the living room and immediately my 15-year-old could sense that there was something wrong. And she starts demanding that I tell her what's, what's happening, what's wrong, what's, and I start to explain that something really terrible and sad has happened and she's getting more assertive. Just say it, what happened? And there was no other way to say it. So I just said, daddy died in Iraq. Even today, that whole experience is surreal. I remember my son asking practical questions. He was eight years old, Thomas, at the time. And I could hear him asking me, who's going to make the money? Hmm. And my six-year-old daughter, our youngest, was just crying. What happened? Wait, what what happened? repeating that. And my 13-year-old, well, she wasn't even 13 yet. She was 12. So my children were 15, 12, eight, and six years old at the time. And my my 12-year-old just kept repeating over and over, this isn't supposed to happen. Daddy was supposed to come back. This wasn't supposed to happen. You said daddy was going to come back. 
everyone in the room was in shock. And they all loved him. And we all just cried together. And there was nothing anyone could do to fix it or change it. I remember looking around and seeing all the adults, all the children, everyone so upset, rightfully so. I'm upset. But I'm thinking I had to say something that I had to be the one to step up. It was almost as if I thought you just have to pick up one piece of what was shattered of our life. So I remember standing up and saying, this is so bad. This is so, so bad. Then I used my firm mommy voice and I just said, we are going to be fine. Not only are we going to be fine, but we're going to be better than fine. And now I know that was the first piece that I picked up and I knew that it was the beginning of a new life or a new plan that was going to be without Max. I think too, when I said we're going to be fine, right? Because that's just your go-to. Okay, calm down. It's going to be fine. But when it came out, I thought, I you look at your kids' faces and you think, you know, you've got to promise them something better than that. Who wants to go through life just being fine? And what is fine supposed to look like after your father just died in a war? You know, so yeah. taking it up a step and saying it's going to be better than fine, I felt that would give them the comfort that I'm leading now, I'm in charge, and I promise you it's going to be better than fine. I wasn't fooling myself. I knew it was going to be a lot of work and dedication to be better than fine, and I would have to find ways to get there. And I didn't know what that looked like. I believe I was divinely guided to the bookstore. Before I went to the bookstore with my kids, we packed all the kids into the bookstore. Okay. I'm just going to stop for just a second and say, it's so funny, but like, yes, divinely guided to the bookstore, (laughs) you know, but yeah, Yeah. like, I mean, because I think that going to the bookstore is a very normal everyday Mm -hmm. thing for somebody who's like a bibliophile or somebody who enjoys reading or, but Tell me how that is. Like, yes. what do you like? What happened? <laughs> yeah. So, what what made that is divine intervention or guidance? Because who, you know, hours after being told the worst news of your life, wouldn't choose to curl up and not move? Yeah. I mean, like that would have been fine bed. too. Yeah, yeah. What are we gonna do? I do remember I was I tried to nap and that was horrible. I was like. I got to do something. I got to do something. So went to the bookstore and we packed all the kids in her suburban. (laughs) When we went into Barnes and Noble, I immediately felt comforted because we did that as a family. We would go out to dinner and usually in a shop, a mall, you know, like we'd go to Red Robin or Cheesecake Factory and there was always a Barnes and Noble in the mall. So we, after we'd have dinner and that was Max's thing, he'd, he'd say, let's, let's all go into Barnes and Noble and everyone would go to their own sections and 
I would demand that I not go to the kids section. Like, it's your <laughs> idea. No, he was very good about it. He was like, you go to self-help. That's because you're like new, new age psychology. When you go to Barnes and Noble, the last thing you want to do is spend that hour. Like, I love my kids, but Mm -hmm. I'm a huge book fan. I want to go perusing the shelves of my genre, you know? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. So it's like, but, you take the kids, honey. I'm going to romance. <laughs> I know. It's, or whatever. It's so funny that you would always like, in our family, we always called them the girls because they were two years apart. Then there's that big five-year gap. And then yeah. we had two more. So we had the girls and the little ones. So he, you know, he would say, yeah, I'll take the little ones and you go to your, no, self-help, new age psychology. <laughs> Yeah. You know where to find me. (laughs) So when we walked in, it just felt so comfortable. But earlier that day is when my brother-in-law had said, I haven't seen you eat. You should try to eat something. And that's when I told him, you know, the thought of eating just makes me feel sick or I I don't think I was as nice. I think I barked at him, but he went away and said, okay, But I go to the section on grieving and the first book I pull off the shelf, I open up and the page, I open up the book and it lands on a page that talks about, I think it's called like widowhood syndrome or widow syndrome or something, but it's something crazy statistic, like a widow's chances of dying within three months of their spouse dying shoots up 66%. It was some something crazy. And I I never followed up on the research on, I mean, I never did due diligence to see how true that was, but that's all I needed to know. I think the message was this could get worse yeah. for them. Yeah. So you definitely need to, you know, gear up and get with the program. So I read that and I thought, okay, I'm going to take care of my health if I want to be better than fine. Right. I mean, I could be a broken mom and still take care of them, but that would be maybe fine, but no, why don't we be better than fine? So I remember going back when we got back to my sister's house, eating the banana and I consider eating the banana, the second piece of that I picked up off the floor of our life and started to get that now you're, you have to put the things that you do have control over back together. And there are going to be a whole bunch of holes or some pieces are blank, but this is now the job that you have in front of you. And I did read a lot of books on grieving and how to move forward Uh, I was a young widow at the time I was 39, which was considered young. And I read about sudden loss, gradual loss, but I had to cut myself off from reading all those books because you will, it keeps you in a very sad place. And I didn't want to be comfortable there. Yeah. I think sometimes when people grieve, that's their, you know, they're comfortable there. They don't want to leave that place. But I knew if we were going to be better than fine, we had to find a healthy place to put our sadness and our grief mm-hmm. and still function and not mm-hmm. just function, but still find things that we love, you know, yeah. And that's where you have to be mindful. What are you doing that 
you know, you may, you may think that you, you know, why am I not experiencing any of the other emotions or why am I not moving on to the next? And it's because you purposely park yourself somewhere or maybe unconsciously park yourself somewhere yeah. and you have no idea that you have to go through the whole range of emotions mm-hmm. and get comfortable with get comfortable with them coming in and out all the time. Yeah. Little did I know at the time when I declared we would be better than fine, that it would turn out to be the driving force behind everything that I did to guide this family. Better than fine meant learning that grief or loss is layered and that it looks different at different phases of your life. So what does better than fine look like in your life today? Based on your experience that you've shared with us, how have you been able to forge pathways to positivity in your own life? I believe what better than fine looks like for us now, we're 15 years out from when that happened. And it looked very different, you know, five years out, 10 years out. And today, the big indicators that were better than fine is that we all love life. I can honestly say we put in the work and it was hard. We learned how to understand that each of us may be in a different place with the grief. Some parts of the year, you're fine. I remember the first year when my youngest daughter, she was in middle school and It was June 27th, and she said to me, I completely forgot that yesterday was the 26th. And I said, yay. And she felt bad. She goes, that isn't bad. I'm not terrible. I said, absolutely not. You're doing exactly what you're supposed to do. We don't have to be chained to daddy's death or the sadness. Just because you didn't remember yesterday doesn't mean that you don't remember. You think you need to tell anyone that you remember your dad died, Mm -hmm. you know, that's what let me know that we were better than fine Yeah. or even heavenly birthdays. My kids said, absolutely not. We are not, you know, I, please, I don't want to bake a cake and sing happy birthday to dad. You know, I don't, we mark his birthday on the calendar, just like everybody else, but we didn't need to do that better than fine looks like knowing what feels good for you. We are all excited about our futures. That's what better than fine looks like. We all know that our sadness with daddy not being here in certain moments where you really want him to be. Sometimes you will be. Two of my daughters have already graduated from college and I remember the first one graduating for me, my heart was so broken, you know, like, oh, I wish daddy was here. It was so I, he can see, you know, I just know he knows when Selena graduated from college two years later, I didn't feel that. I didn't feel that, you know, bittersweet. I just felt the sweetness of the day, you know, and so that's better than fine. And I think all of these tools or practices or beliefs 
that you have in life and your trust and faith that you can restore after something so tragic happens to you, it can be applied to life all across the board. And today we're in a place where I don't feel we, no, I'm going to say we don't play defense anymore. Always trying to defend our hearts from the sadness of realizing he's not there or that this terrible thing happened to us. We know that good and bad things will happen throughout life and some things we have no control over, but we always choose how it impacts us. And better than fine is knowing that we all try our best to choose to be positive. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the whole, almost like if we think about the genesis of this podcast, as we said in the beginning, when you and I started growing our friendship and shared our stories with one another, it naturally and authentically led to this idea that you've had your experience and yet you have come out on the other side. And I have my story. At the same time, you and I are both seeking pathways to positivity and not only seeking them, but manifesting them in Mm -hmm. our own lives. And I'm really, really thankful that you are able to share this because people might listen and think, if Evelyn has the capacity to experience tragedy and loss in her own life and still put herself out there to create a podcast about positivity and mindfulness and forging pathways to positivity. Maybe there's something that I can glean from that and take away for my own life. Mm -hmm. And so I'm so thankful that you're willing to put yourself out there and that you have become better than fine. So as I prepared for this recording and I recounted this experience, I realized that every step of the way, there was an opportunity to choose positivity or not. And let's be clear, I didn't choose positivity every single time. There were many times where I chose to be emotional and to feel sorry for myself or just give me, I'm owed this. I can, I can do this because I deserve, you know, to take one back from life. Each time I did that, it did not. And it just brought me back to the exact same spot where I believe the universe was telling me choose again. So one of the things I have learned and I try to practice is if you can choose the option with the highest energy or the highest vibration, which is always choosing love and joy and positivity, you won't have to make that choice again, that it's like you graduated and you can move on. Always try to look at your life and when challenges occur, and it could be something huge like the loss of a loved one or something every day, your car breaks down or someone, something was stolen from you, that you always have the opportunity to make yourself the hero of your story or the victim. And the only way to do that is to look for what's good and positive. Always acknowledge your pain and know that, hey, this sucks or this is bad or it's so unfair. But the 
shorter time or the less time you spend in that space, overall, the better you'll feel and the more positivity that will come at you when you choose it. So at this time, I just want to take a moment to thank you, Evelyn, because sharing your story will allow other people to see that even in the midst of the worst of tragedies, there is positivity on the other end. You are probably the greatest example of someone who lives life with the most positive outlook. And I say that sincerely, like I have learned so much from you. And you've helped me realize that even through the the worst trials, the worst tribulations, we have the opportunity to forge pathways to positivity in our lives. And so I thank you so much for being willing to be vulnerable and open and honest and authentic and share something that is very deeply personal to you in the hopes that someone out there will be able to take away something incredibly positive from your experience. I do think it's time to move into our next segment. Yes, let's get ready to ease off the platform with this week's Better Than Fine practice. The Better Than Fine practice is designed to be a weekly takeaway that you can practice at home and will help you forge pathways to greater positivity in your own life. This week's practice is pretty simple. It's something you can practice throughout the day. I really love this because I think it ties into what I just talked about. But remember earlier your quote when you were saying the memories that we make and it's all about the small moments. So the practice that I want to be is just to draw awareness to that. Acknowledge these. Take a moment to pause. I'm going to call it the take a moment to pause and appreciate. So often we fast forward to the next moment without truly appreciating the moment that we're in. So if you throughout your day can take a moment to pause and not just blow through something wonderful that's happening, it could be something as simple as traffic opening up. If you're sitting in traffic and then you get to that moment where everything starts to flow Take a moment to pause and feel how good that feels. Focus on how good it feels, not how annoyed you've been for the past 45 minutes being stuck in traffic. I think that's a wonderful way to start forging or recognizing that you're at a crossroad and you can choose negativity moving forward. Traffic is gone and you're still mad all the way home, or is traffic gone and you're grateful that it opened up and now you're on your way home? Such an important practice to take away, to have an appreciation for the smallest moments, because those small moments really do create big memories. And in our case, those small moments build great gratitude. And so I want to be thankful for that. And I want to be thankful for you and thankful for you sharing your story and thankful for the people who are listening to the story today. And also just thankful for the opportunity to have this podcast with you because I already have learned so much from you. And I can only imagine over the weeks and months and years to come, how much we'll grow together on our own pathways toward positivity and mindfulness. So that's pretty much it for today. And we really hope that you enjoyed this episode 
And my sincere hope is that through Evelyn's vulnerability in sharing her story, you will somehow be inspired to add one more stepping stone to your own pathway to positivity. Thanks for listening. Yeah, tune in next week.